Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Culture Hour that's really about 30 minutes. Uh, so make sure that you stay for the entire time frame. My name is Shelly Smith. I am the founder of Premier Rapport where everything that I do, my passion, my jam, my focus is around workplace company culture. You know, back in the day, people would call out turnover and retention and hard to fill positions. The reality is that is the symptom of your work culture, whether you're rocking and rolling or whether you've got a little bit of toxicity or something in between. It is your workplace culture. So today I've got a great guest and a dear colleague as well as a friend that uh, I have uh, on the show today. His name is Bob McKenna and Bob has a wealth of experiences that we're going to dive into our conversation and talk about trends that we're both seeing. I'm also going to, you know, it's interesting when I was prepping for the conversation with Bob, I had just gotten my latest and greatest HR magazine and the cover says building a better boss. Uh, bad managers can make or break an organization. And it's so interesting that literally everybody you come across today um, isn't talking about the symptoms. They're literally finally talking about there really is the culture, our success and our level ups as a culture. So let's dive in. I want to introduce you to Bob McKenna. Bob has been in the role of president and CEO of the Virginia Peninsula Chamber of Commerce for about 16 months. It's crazy all the things that he's doing. He totally is leveling up the community, bringing everybody together. It doesn't matter if you're a startup, if you're a small business, if you're big business, his relationship building is very intentional around keeping uh, uh, the businesses here, here, bringing more dynamics into the Hampton Roads community itself, and really doing it again with a focus and intentionality of all generations and making all of us better leaders and better community uh, uh, representatives. And so for that, Bob, Take it away. Why don't you tell the group a little bit more about who you are, where you've been, and what you've done, and then we're going to dive into it. Well, thanks very much for that kind introduction, Shelley. And and it's uh, it's kind of tough to live up to an introduction like that. Uh, <laughs> I still think that. Uh, so I've been in the job for 16 months now, and uh, and let me just tell you a little bit about where I came from and how I got here, which is kind of an interesting story. Um, I graduated from college 35 years ago this week, actually, uh, went to the Merchant Marine Academy and kind of got there in a roundabout way. I did kind of like I got to this job in a roundabout way. But uh, right out of the Merchant Marine Academy, uh, I went in the Navy and I was in the Navy for 27 years as a, as a uh, surface warfare officer. So mostly working on ships with some shore duty sprinkled in, in and around there. Um, retired, so moved 16 times in 27 years in the Navy. Mm. And uh, when we retired, and I say we because it's a partnership between my wife, Kathy, and me, uh, we came back here to Newport News. Uh, so I say I'm not a carpetbagger. I've, I've had my house here for um, 16 years now, and, uh, and this is where after living all over, literally all over the country and a couple different locations overseas, this is where we decided to retire. Uh, and so we're committed to this community as a couple and I'm committed to this community in my job, my current job as uh, president and CEO of the chamber. My current and hopefully last job, I'd like to stay here until I retire for good. But um, I worked uh, as a defense contractor after I retired in 2011 and uh, was working mostly from my kitchen table, traveling around doing some training for the Navy. Uh, and, and I am an extrovert and Shelly knows that very well. Yes. Who have met me through the chamber know that very well. Uh, and, and I was sitting at my kitchen table by myself 
uh, I like to joke, I was in a, you know, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt with a full pot of coffee and, uh, and a laptop and muting my phone so I could do teleconferences without them hearing you know, the other things that were going on in my kitchen. Uh, and, and that was killing me slowly because it was, it was a decent paycheck and, and I liked the training that I was doing, but I wasn't around people enough. And I didn't think that, I thought there was a whole lot more to Bob McKenna than sitting at my kitchen table and doing a training event once a month or so. Uh, and uh, then I worked for the VA for the Department of Veteran Affairs for about a nine month period on a project which had me working in the community um, on improving conditions for transitioning service members who were leaving the service after retirement or after the first term or whatever. Uh, so improving their conditions uh, educationally, so in the, in the local schools uh, or at local businesses, uh, employment, and for their spouses also. Uh, through that job, I came to meet Mike Coons, who's my predecessor at the chamber. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, when he decided to retire about three years later, he called me and said, hey, I'm retiring. Uh, why don't you apply for the job? And I said, Mike, I'm not a chamber guy. I am not a business guy. And he said, uh, we have all five services represented here on the peninsula. We have several bases. Um, a military guy would be the right person. Mm -hmm. so, so I applied and uh, really didn't think that you know, I had a, a chance. I mean, they had 190 some people apply and, wow. and I came out the other end somehow. So here I am. So all of a sudden I find myself thrust into this job that I love, mm -hmm. uh, but um, then I had to figure out, okay, what does the chamber do? <laughs> and, and Mike Coons was very helpful as a mentor. And, um, and then I just kind of learned as I went along. And, and I think I, I was thinking this morning as I had an executive committee meeting with my, my board of directors, uh, the executive committee, I was thinking, you know, I am not necessarily a guy who can do strategic plans. And, and who can, you know, do all the, I would say, the, the administrative tedium of, of making a strategic plan. But I think that, to pat myself on the back a little bit, I've got decent instincts. So I think a lot of the things that we've been doing in the past 14 or 15 months are increasing the brand of the chamber. And I think you have to have, you have to have a well-known brand in the community because if you, uh, if a chamber strives to be the single voice you know, the, the most uh, influential advocate for the business community in a region or in a, on the peninsula, for instance, uh, the brand has to be well-known and the people have to go, oh, that's the chamber doing that. Oh, that's the president of the chamber. That's the chairman of the chamber, whatever the case may be. But uh, so a lot of the things that we have done have been designed with that in mind. Like we have to, we have to be well-known. So, so for the first 16 months, I have strived very hard not to turn down any invitations. So I get invited to a meeting, I attend. I get invited to an event, I attend. Mm -hmm. uh, I get invited to participate in a working group, I participate in the working group. And, and that's solely for the intention of meeting all the people that I need to meet and increasing the brand of the chamber so that we can be recognized as the most influential voice for the business community. So we can, we can influence things in the community and make, and make, uh, make our whole community more uh, prosperous. Absolutely. Well, you definitely, as an outsider looking in, have done that. Um, I've been in the Hampton Roads area for, on the peninsula side since 92. 
And uh, I've been in and out as a member historically when I started my business 10 years ago with both of the, the chambers. And uh, for various reasons, um, kind of went in and out of the zone. But it, it definitely is about the branding, you're right. It's about the climate that you're creating and the impact, the, again, the intentional impact on the leader. So I, I look at the work that you're doing and that the chamber is doing as the conduit, the glue, um, you know, the mediator, the facilitator, the moderator many times of, of bringing the greater good, the greater picture uh, to the community, which is what, you know, again, as an outsider, that's kind of what I, I always hope that a chamber would do. So it definitely the people that I talk to feel that impact and, and again, your intentionality of doing that. So bravo for becoming here, here, the most caffeinated man in Hampton Road. <laughs> I turned that title over to you. I claimed that title about 10 years ago as a woman uh, out and about starting the business. So, so let's talk about some of the things that you've done inside the chamber. And I know that um, one of the, the things that you and I do together is a support uh, between one of the organizations I'm in with the Peninsula Sherm. Uh, chamber, our chamber, the Peninsula Sherm chapter, and some of the, again, the intentionality of working with you from the military to the legal to the roundtables to our, our conferences. And one of the things that we both always talk about is the leadership, the current generation of leadership, the next, you know, generation of leadership, and what's happening inside the different organizations when you do the spotlight on the community and go inside of the different organizations. So I'm curious to hear, what is it that you're seeing from, I'll talk about it from a climate and from a culture perspective. So one is the feeling and the environment and the surrounding, and then one is the reality. So are you seeing any, any trends when you go into some of our larger uh, parent organizations that reside here? versus the smaller, or what, what is it that you're saying? What is it you're seeing that you're hearing the different owners, the leaders, board folks that you talk to as it is around climate culture leadership? Okay, there, there's a lot, there's that a lot to address in that question. Yeah, that's, that's You great. know I do that. <laughs> no, absolutely, and, and I'm gonna completely dodge it and then say what I wanna say like a good politician. <laughs> no, um, Are you prepping for something? <laughs> no, not at all. No, I, as I mentioned uh, in my soliloquy at the beginning, I'm hoping this is my last job and my work. So um, culture matters. I mean, that's a good thing to start with, right? And that's a good yeah, advertisement yeah. For, for you because I think what you do certainly matters. But um, so when I first came into this job, so 16 months ago, I had to learn the business community very quickly. And, and, and I haven't done it quick enough. I'm still learning. And, and obviously that's going to it's going to be probably a five, six, seven year project. So I'll do it as long as I'm in the job. I'll always be learning. And if I stop learning, then I might as well step aside and let the next person come in. But um, so, so what I kept hearing was the peninsula um, lacks uh, confidence. I mean, they have an inferiority complex here in the peninsula. And, and from this, this, seeing the forest for the trees kind of perspective, because I'm not a business person who has resided in the business community. I looked around the peninsula and I said, <clears throat> well, why not? I mean, look at all the great things we have here. We have NASA, the Langley Research Center. We have Jefferson Lab. We have uh, Newport News Shipbuilding, which is the largest industrial employer in the state of Virginia. Um, we have some great universities. We have uh, a public school systems in, in uh, New Purdue's, Hampton, York County, Pocos, and Jameson County that are 
good at improving. And, and I think, you know, some very um, interesting things are being done at, uh, for instance, at the academies of Hampton. Mm -hmm. So, so there's some great innovators uh, in leadership positions. Um, there are some great um, advanced manufacturing companies that are doing important things, not just for our community, but for the world I mean, international companies. Uh, there is, as I mentioned before, Newport News Shipbuilding, which is the only company in the world that designs, uh, builds, and refuels nuclear carriers. I mean, the symbolism of might and power. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's all here on the peninsula. So why do we have this inferiority complex? And, and so what we set about doing, what, you know, this idea came out of a conversation that Susie Johnson, the, the vice, vice president, and I had, um, about how do we raise the level of awareness of this community to the great gifts that are on the community. And we came up with Spotlight on the Peninsula program, which you mentioned before. And that was, let's get inside places that are here that people drive by occasionally. Mm -hmm. and go, oh, there's Jefferson Lab. Oh, there's NASA. Oh, there's Canon. And, but they don't know what goes on inside. So let's bring people inside the four walls and, and have them meet and greet people who work for that company or organization and others, leaders from the community, get a talk from the director of that organization and then take a tour. And, and so what we've seen from this program is that um, we're getting attention in the newspaper, which is you know raising the level of awareness of the community in general, but people are going behind. So just the most recent example, we were at Canon last month mm -hmm. and uh, we had about 75 people attend. And most of them left and said, I've never been inside there before. I'm amazed at what's happening in there. Mm -hmm. and, and what we saw during the tour of the place was culture matters, right? So, so the, the place, I mean, you can tell that the leadership and the management there at all levels is very focused on their product, but they understand that in order to provide a good product to the public, they have to create an organization of workers who take pride in what they're doing. Yeah. And you have to do that by focusing on the individual employees and make sure they understand that they are valued and the work that they are doing is valued. Yeah. And, and that comes through loud and clear. Every place that we walked through, whether it was Jefferson Lab or NASA or Canon or, uh, you know, in our lead peninsula class, we've gone to places like Arconic and stuff like that. And and we see that the people that are working there take pride in their work, mm -hmm. and and they look like they're happy. So mm -hmm. so top down leadership is very important. So the leader at the top sets the tone for what's going to happen. And if Absolutely. if the tone is uh, is positive, then usually it's going to work out pretty well. So but but there are, you know there are things culturally that you know that the, the little details matter too, and the and the leadership yeah. has to focus yeah. on those also. It's not just bottom line, right? No, it's not. You know, people is what ultimately, you know, every business has either strengths or walls in strategy, execution, cash, and people. But I will argue until I, my very last breath, it begins, ends, and everything in the middle is around the people. So right. the, cash, the cash flows and the profit comes when the people are engaged. And um, everybody wants to feel seen, valued, and heard. It's not just the millennials. It's not just the Z generation. It's just that, you know, uh, us Gen Xers and um, uh, other older, gener more senior uh, generations. Like boomers like me? Boomers like you. <laughs> we just simply taught um, 
our children to expect more, ask for more, and to stand up and to have a presence and to have a voice different from than, than what we were. And that's just a part of an actual cultural you know, shift. I don't think it makes it wrong. They're just asking for things that, that we want. And they're just, they want everything now because of the technology piece. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it, um, if anything, it, it levels up and it challenges us for what else, what else can we do? You know, why can't it be that way? And it helps you get out of your own way to create some agility. But you said something really interesting that I wanted to come back and tap on, and it's that listening component. It's, you said it a few times in a few different ways, and I just wanna, I wanna go into that a little bit with how did you get to that place in your life? And it's, you, you talked about when you got into the role, you talked about listening and you talked about confidence. And that has a huge piece to how and why people begin to get engaged is when we feel like we've been listened to, it grows our confidence. So you were talking about it from confidence from the community, but then you started going in and talking about it from what you see on the faces and the behaviors of those inside the walls when you do the spotlight in different pieces. So I just think that's interesting. What are some things that you can share over your life that help you get to the place of confidence and get to the place of truly listening to be able to help people with forward feedback. Okay. So the, um, the first job that I ever had post, you know, secondary education was I was an ensign in the United States Navy. So I already talked about my 27 year career. Mm -hmm. I reported to my first ship in June of 1985 as a 22 year old, I guess, and was immediately put in charge of a division of 20 some sonar technicians and said, okay, you're their boss. I knew nothing about sonar. <laughs> um, I was 22 years old. Uh, and so just recently out of college where I was at a military academy where they, you know, they fed me, they gave me linen to make my bed and they, you know, and so everything was handed to me. And all of a sudden I'm in charge of 25 people and I'm their father, older brother, supervisor, psychologist, you know, everything, coach. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and it was baptism by fire. I mean, you, you learn immediately, uh, you, you know, they, we say in the Navy, hit the deck running. If you don't hit the deck running, you're behind. Mm -hmm. so, so immediately you have to figure out how to be a, you know, how to get the most out of the people who are working for you. And, and one of the ways that you do that is by making sure that each one of them understands that they are very important to you individually. And one of the ways you do that is by listening to them, right? So I went around to all 25 people or however many I had in that division and said, tell me about your job. And I would sit down with them at a, at a sonar uh, and say, tell me how this operates and, and show me what you do and this watch, uh, this duty that you're performing. And, uh, and in the course of the conversation where they were teaching me what they did, um, I, I noticed that they took pride in what they did for one thing. But also in the course of that conversation, I asked them questions about their personal life so I could get to know them individually and personally. And, and that's critical, I think, as a leader. If you don't know the people who work for you personally, yeah. um, then I don't think you can lead them effectively because, because you got to know what makes people tick, right? Yes. And sometimes, sometimes the answer is, and you're a parent, I'm a parent, I've got four kids. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job of you know, raising them, and I know my wife has done a good job. But... Uh, Sometimes you just have to say, because I'm the dad. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you have to make sure that your kids or the sailors who work for you or your employees understand why they're doing something and why it matters 
that they do it with pride and they do it effectively and efficiently. So yeah. knowing what makes each individual tick helps you do that better, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, my, my kids joke with me all the time uh, because I'll meet somebody new and, and I'll talk to them for five minutes and I come back and tell them their life story. I said, how did you get the life story out of that person? I said, because I'm interested in people and I ask them questions. And, yeah. uh, and that's just kind of who I am. I don't know how I became like that. I'm sure one of my parents must, my father was an FBI agent. So maybe, ah, questions. It from, maybe it came from that. <laughs> I think it but, did. <laughs> um, but also it's, uh, you know, I tell people be interested in other people because sometimes you have to fake it, but I don't think I ever have to fake it because people are interesting and I learn something new from every person that I talk to. So yeah. that helps me, that helped me in the Navy and it helps me in this job. Okay. Um, the other thing I would tell you is, as a leader in the Navy, and, and I think it's Arlie Burke, who is kind of the god of surface warfare officers. He's a, he was a World War II. And he Sorry. was- you know, Life's happening in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't have a dog here in the office. Um, I can bring but, you mine. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Um, but what, so what he, one of the things he said was, um, if, if you know that your boss is getting ready to drive over a cliff and you don't tell your boss that they're getting ready to drive over a cliff. That's the most, that's the greatest form of disloyalty. So I have always told the sailors or the people who work for me that if they see me doing something wrong, they better come knock on my door and say, Hey boss, um, I think you're doing something wrong. And, and you got to keep that open channel between yourself and your employees. And otherwise they'll see you going over a cliff and they'll go up, oh, he's going to go over a cliff and uh, yeah, and, and that, so that doesn't make the organization thrive. So I've always had an open door policy, literally and figuratively, where they can come in and say, using the chain of command, of course, hey boss, we think you're, we think you're screwing this up and here's how we think we could do it better. Sometimes I'll go, boy, great idea, let's do it your way. And other times I'll disabuse them of their false notion about what I was doing. And, and we'll, but we'll have that conversation and I'll take, I'll take their uh, advice on board and, and consider it. Uh, I think that's that's critical in whatever job you're doing. If you're a supervisor or if you're working as a team, you got to have that open line of communication. Absolutely, and you have to walk that talk every single every single day, every single moment. And then when I when I work with clients, either one on ones or in teams or the entire organization, getting to uh, that why perspective and creating the buy in versus just giving the answer, it's interesting how many times that is a huge uh, shift. For people trying to grasp why do they need to have the big, bigger picture instead of just saying, I need you to go do this specific thing, but tying it back holistically to create the buy-in. And that helps with the questions and the clarity and the value and, and feeling listened um, as well for that. Right, you, and you have to recognize the difference too, right? I mean, you have, oh, so, so you have to be able to recognize the times when you say, do this and do it now, and they, yeah. and, and they just do it. And, and, and a situation where they can say, they can, they can say why, and then you can use it as a teachable moment and explain why we're doing it. But yeah. there's a difference, right? I mean, especially in the military, see oh, that, yeah. um, take that hill right there. And, and if they stop and go, why are we doing that? Then they yeah. So you, you have to train them. And especially, I mean, they talk about millennials, how they're different, mm -hmm. uh, but you have to be able to have that conversation with them. Like, Hey, sometimes when I say to do something, you just do it. There's not a question mark at the end. So I don't expect you to ask a question. Yeah. Or, or to, or to, yeah, or to respond. Uh, if I, if I put an exclamation point at the end of something, I, I mean, let's get it done now. Right. Well, and part of that comes with that trust and that respect, which goes back to the relationship that has been built. 
Um, so when, when you get to that point where I just need you to go do it now, to your point, that you understand, oh, this is a different thing. But I think the other critical, critical thing to, to mention is, and the military obviously does this, is uh, coming back and talking about after you've taken the hill, what worked, what didn't, where are we at, what are we going to do next, and do it from, you do a little bit of the historical piece to, to gather what worked and what didn't, but more so it's the next time we're going to do, or the maneuver is going to do, and then you can stop and pause and talk about why we did it and the lesson inside of it. Um, right. And I just think an, that- An honest assessment. Yes. Yes. It's interesting, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we could talk hours on is that clarity around- expectations. So when you give the forward feedback and when you hold people accountable, there isn't an uncomfortable piece uh, of having the conversation because we were all on the same page to begin with and we knew what the expectation was. And I think that's the other thing, the component that comes in with the listening piece and building the confidence, uh, going back to kind of those, those two pieces that I, I, I've seen you do. I've seen you uh, when you're one-on-one -on -one interactions. And again, I, I've seen that when you get up and do your variety of different you know, exposures that you mentioned that you did. So, well, I would like to definitely continue this conversation. I may bring you back on um, uh, for another round, but are there any closing thoughts, maybe anything specific about the, the chamber or anything specific about the leaders that are listening, our future leaders that are listening, anything around culture or a, kind of a, a tip, if you will, for your, your final thoughts. Final thoughts from Bob McKenna. Final for today. Final for today. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so, so something that you just said, I'd like to just elaborate on a little bit. And mm -hmm. you talked about setting standards and, and expectations. And so when people talk to me about Millennials. What, what, what do we always hear about millennials? They, they always want to know why. They always want to know why. Mm -hmm. They need constant pats on the back. And, and, and I think that's all kind of a false narrative. Yes. Um, and so when I'm asked to, how do you train a millennial? I said, you train a millennial the same way you train anybody else. I mean, there are certain leadership principles and they're principles because they are eternal. They're, I mean, this is how it has always been. Leadership is the same way. So what's changed, I mean, leadership characteristics, leadership traits are the same. What's changed is how do we communicate effectively with the generation that's known as millennials or, you know, more generally, the young people of today. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think we train them the same way we've trained in the past, but it goes back to that why. Yeah. When they ask why, we have to, they, they have to understand that there's a difference between when you can ask why and when you can't ask why. And that's just all a matter of communications and proper preparation. But, but what you said was make sure they understand that there's expectations. So I would say train them, set the standard and tell them what the expectations are and then hold them and then trust them to carry out your direction. And then if they don't, then there has to be consequences. Mm -hmm. and so the consequences are, okay, you'll let them know up front what the consequences of, or, or performance are, when they don't reach your standard, you go back maybe to square one or two and you train, retrain them. You mm -hmm. tell them once again what the expectations and standards are and you hold them accountable. And pretty soon they're gonna get it because there's nothing more important, I think, than developing your replacement. Who is gonna lead after you're done leading? And, and when big companies are looking for areas to, to move their business to, mm -hmm. what are they looking for these days? It's, talent, talent, and talent. Yeah. So, so we have to ensure 
in this area that we're tapping into those those great resources of talent that we have, the public school system, um, the university, the local universities, uh, and the transitioning service members. So, so we've got these great sources of talent here. We just have to make sure that we are giving them the tools by training them and, and setting standards so they can become the next leaders. And then at a certain point, people like me need to go, okay, I'm done doing this job. I've been doing it for four or five or six years. It's time for me to step aside and let one of those young people who we've trained step up and do the job. So I, I was at, a, at an event six or seven months ago and I heard a leader saying, where are the next leaders? And, uh, and this was an elderly gentleman. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, uh, the next leaders are probably standing right next to you, but maybe it's time to step aside. So I see a lot of college basketball coaches because I'm a college basketball fan who mm -hmm. hang on forever. Jim mm -hmm. Bayhams here in this room. Like, hey Jim, it's time maybe to step aside and let one of your former players who you trained step into your job. Yeah. But, but there, there, comes, there comes a time for all of us to uh, step aside, but we have to first make sure that the next generation is ready to lead. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we're doing at, right now is we've just combined with uh, the United Way of Virginia Peninsula. We're mm -hmm. uh, a young professional organization. Monday the 24th is the first big event, uh, kind of rolling out that partnership. And uh, I've had several meetings with Steve Cast and his staff getting that set up. And boy, we're ready to go. And that's going to be, I think it's going to be a great it's already a great organization that they've been running. Yeah. And now we get to partner with them and make it even greater. So, yeah. so I'm excited. I love that. I love that. Yeah, again, another prime example of uh, pulling together the community with intentionality. You know, the other thing I would add to, to that conversation is uh, always clear on the outcome, you know, what the objective is. I don't think that um, at leaders as a whole that we give that, again, that full picture as to why we're thinking that way strategically, um, why we are critically, our mind has gone down maybe a change in a path or a, a direction. So again, oftentimes when I'm working with, with folks, it's, it's the question to your questions, it's the outcome. What, what are we trying to accomplish? What's the best way to get there? What are all the different ideas that we can do to get there? I know that one of the things that you and I both participated on a, a well in the community is the, the deaf different uh, chapter meetings that they do. Defense, entrepreneur, now I can't remember what it stands forum. for. Forum, yeah, defense forum. entrepreneur forum, yep. Yeah, so you know, one of their common themes is generally around the design thinking pieces and the innovation pieces around that. And it's all about that outcome right? And the different ways to get there. And I think those conversations of listening and mentoring is what it is that we need to do. I know anytime that I have ever interviewed in my life, somebody who wants to be in the management piece, one of my common questions is, tell me about the people who you've gotten promoted around you. I want to hear, how did you intentionally mentor a succession plan horizontally or vertically? That's People get confused on that. They think, you know, succession planning is always replacement. It can be horizontal too. But, but the the more I hear people articulate that I worked with this person and this person's now doing this, and you can tell them that they're, you can tell that that person is truly a leader, truly a leader in it to win it and to mentor and to grow the greater good around. And they're not threatened by any scarcity or uh, uh, being pushed aside. It's all about you know, not being the smartest person at the table, but being the person at the table who is, who is giving and not just reciprocating. So yeah. I like that you, you pointed that out. So, well, Bob, so I know, I know yeah. that I'm never the smartest person at the table. So I've always tried to learn from everybody around me. Yeah. So that, so it's, it's great. And that the, the Navy reinforced or 
the Navy actually instructed me that way. And that's how I learned that whole chain of command thing. Well, I, uh, I know you know this, but the viewers don't know this. My, my son is soon joining the Navy and uh, we're, we're on the countdown piece. So I'm, I'm super excited for him to, uh, to be able to get some of that additional exposure that I know that folks like you have talked about. And I think it's a, it's, it's a critical way to get the, not just the structure, but the mentorship and uh, getting the adulting on is what we say in the household, getting our adulting on. So the, the um, Navy will do that to you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, be careful what you ask for yeah, because yeah, you're going to get it in droves. So you talk about, like you said, the shock syndrome for that. So, all right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, in the community, inside the chamber and other things that you do on a personal side as well. So we, uh, we thank you for that. For those of you who are, who are listening to this, I will have inside the, the best way to get a hold of Bob, but of course you can, you can Google Bob McKenna and you can certainly go on the Virginia Peninsula Chamber of Commerce in order to get his information. For those of you who are watching this, you actually see on the screen the contact information and the website information as well. So remember, culture matters. It's up to us every single day to choose, to choose, to choose the impact that we're gonna make and that we do not put capacity and layers on that get us nowhere but stressed out um, and burnt out. And be well to yourself, be well to those around you, and uh, enjoy life. So until then, um, be well, stay connected, and remember, culture matters. My name is Shelly Smith, proud owner of Premier Rapport. If you've got any questions, feel free to respond below. And obviously, you know how to find me in all the social media outlets. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Or are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.